right now. See, that, the way that they were looking at salvation and the way God was looking at salvation were two polar opposites. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? See, Christ came to save, seek and save that which is lost. Right. Amen. He didn't come, listen, He didn't come with a sword in His first, first visitation. <clears throat> Amen. He didn't come to set them free from the bonds of tyranny in His first visitation. Amen. He wasn't concerned as much about their physical limitations as He was their spiritual limitations. Yes, right. There you go. Right. They're screaming, Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. This indicates that people thought that the kingdom was about to be set up with Christ sitting on the throne of David now. That's what they thought. Right now. That's what they thought. We can't wait no longer. We done been through this one too many times. God, we need it now. Amen. So they were shouting, Hosanna in the highest. And the crowd was calling on the heavens to join the earth in praising the Messiah and perhaps calling on Him to save from the highest of heavens. Now again, we don't know what they were thinking. We don't know all their motives. But this one thing is for sure. If Jesus is the King, then all of His loyal subjects must recognize His kingship. Right. The Jews that day did this by calling Him the Son of David and also spreading their cloaks and palm branches before Him. And this was the ancient custom of recognizing royalty, importance, VIP if you want to call it that. Yeah. Amen? People threw down their garments and they made a, 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 a pathway for the royal procession. For you and I, we honor Him in His sovereignty. We honor Him in His kingship. How do we do it? I didn't buy palm branches today. I don't have a problem with that. A lot of churches do. We didn't buy it. Because the palm branches ain't how you're going to honor Him this morning. They honored Him by making a pathway with their cloaks and with the palm branches. They laid those things before Him. For us, we lay our hearts before Him. Amen. And we throw down our will in absolute surrender. Yes. Asking Jesus to govern everything we think, everything we say, and everything we do. In other words, if God is sovereign, He wants to be sovereign over you. And once He is sovereign over you, then you have the right to praise Him as your rightful King. Yes. Now I want to point out something from, from the prophecy in Zechariah in 9.9. Now I talked about this last year, and I want to hit it again this year. Now I ain't going to keep you all too much longer. I want you to notice something in this passage of Scripture. It says, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation. Okay? The Hebrew reads that he is righteous right. and saved. 
let that sit. Don't nobody say I said anything that I didn't say. Hear me out. In the Hebrew, it does not say he is just in having salvation. That's the English translation of the Hebrew Bible. The Hebrew actually reads, he is righteous and saved. If you were to read the Geneva Bible of 1560, it reads, he is just and saved. Just as it should be translated from the Hebrew. Even in the ancient Greek translation rendered the passive form saved as an active saving. The King James straddles the issue with this awkward and ambiguous form of writing saying having salvation. So the question is, does the rightful king come to save or to be saved? Now we should all know the answer to that question because the Bible says there was no guile to be found in his mouth. We know that he was the spotless lamb of God. Amen. Without blemish and without spot. So therefore the question remains, does the rightful king come to save or to be saved? Is he coming to bring salvation or does he somehow need to be saved himself? Strangely enough, according to Zechariah's prophecy, as you read in the ancient Hebrew, the king himself will be saved, but not from his sins because he has no sin. He is righteous and saved, but how can this be? The Messiah did not come to be saved, but to save. The very reason for His coming is that God's people needed a Savior who could deliver them from their trespasses and their sins. Amen. They needed a rightful king. Amen. They needed a victorious king. Amen. Go ahead. Now listen. To understand this prophecy, it helps... To recognize that the coming king does not need to be saved from his sins. Zechariah himself says the rightful king is what? Just. Or in the Hebrew, righteous. So Zechariah says that the king will be just. He will be righteous. We know the Bible says there was no guile found in his mouth. So Jesus did not need to be saved from his sins. Then, in what sense, here's the question, what sense was he saved according to the Hebrew writing of Zechariah? If Jesus didn't need to be saved from his sins, then how was he saved? Amen? Let that set for a minute. Notice in Zechariah 9.9, what Zechariah meant in the ancient Hebrew was that Christ the Messiah, God's rightful king, would be delivered and vindicated or made to be victorious. But Matthew said nothing about the rightful king being delivered and vindicated or being victorious. The reason is that Jesus, listen, the reason Matthew didn't say anything about it is because he did not win the victory on Palm Sunday. When he walked, I don't care how many people shouted, Hosanna, 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 the king is coming, the king is coming, the king is coming. Jesus did not win the victory when he walked in the gate. Amen? The victory would come later on the cross. 
Yep. The victory would come later in the garden. Right. Hey Amen. The tomb in the garden when he rose from the dead. The victory over death, hell, and the grave would come later. Not when he entered into the city on Palm Sunday. A few days later, the city that welcomed him with all those praises would be shouting, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Jesus would be wrongfully convicted for crimes he did not commit and brutally executed. But he would be saved in the sense that he would triumph over all evil on Golgotha's hill. Yes. He would be saved from death and risen to eternal life. Can somebody say amen? Now we can take salvation one step further. The fact that God saved Jesus means He can also now save us. Now that Jesus Himself has been delivered from death, He has the power to deliver you from death. Yes, hallelujah. <laughs> Come on. The one who is righteous and saved, according to the Hebrew in Zechariah. According to Zechariah, is able to be our Savior. See, He wasn't able to be your Savior when He walked through the gates. He could have walked in there, listen, He could have walked in there if He wanted to, because He is God. He could have called legions of angels, hey man, from heaven at any moment, even, listen, even when He walked in. He could have set up his throne, amen, his rightful throne on, on the seat of David, amen. Yep. Right. He could have called all the angels of heaven to defend himself against the tyrants of Rome. Amen. Right then and right there. But he didn't. No. But he didn't. Why? Because in order for him to be a savior. <laughs> Well, <laughs> there's a difference between the Messiah and the Savior. Amen? Amen. The Messiah, the promised one, doesn't become a Savior until he's hanging on Golgotha, yes. bleeding out his life's blood right. for your Come sins. On. Come on. Yes. You should have had the hammer in your hand. You should have nailed every every stake into his wrists because it was your sin that put him there. Yep. It was my sin that put him there. Right. At the very least, we should have had the hammer. But in all actuality, we should have hung there. You know it. We should have died for our own sin. Yep. For our own transgressions yep. against the Most High God. The Holy, oh my God, the Most Holy 